This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Theora. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters. And we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers. We are back with another super fun interview. Today, we are talking once again to our favorite intimacy coordinator. And I'm not just saying that because he's the only one we know. Welcome, (laughs) Robbie Taylor Hunt. Welcome back to the podcast, Robbie. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm thrilled. We just love talking to you. You're so knowledgeable and just so much fun to talk to. Oh, you're so kind. We love talking to you guys as well. Yes. And and unfortunately, last time we were talking, it was during the big strike that was going on, which mm-hmm. has ended favorably, which is really, really great. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk specifically about the Red, White and Royal Blue project and all the details because we weren't, you know, allowed to last time. Yes. So first and foremost, the I think our listeners want to know, what was it like working with Nicholas and Taylor? Yeah, Nick and Taylor were such um, sweethearts. It was so lovely working with them both. Um, They're just very nice guys, uh, which makes my life so much easier because they're just coming to working with you with a nice grounded sense of collaboration and wanting to talk about it. Um, Particularly, I mean, I guess the only thing I could really speak to about it is in their relationship with talking about intimacy coordination and working on intimate content. Um, intimacy coordination being the slightly new thing it is for some people it's a bit kind of not controversial it's a bit of a strong word but contentious or whatever um sometimes actors can come into talking to you with an energy of either like whoa this is so wild or a bit like mm, not sure about this or, or whatever it is that doesn't happen so much anymore but we had that in the kind of earlier days whereas nick and taylor just um were so ready and, and wanting to talk about it and just practical um creative terms and they just understood why I was there and what I was doing and they were on board with it and and happy to to have all those chats so professionally very nice they're very collaborative which is always very nice for me um and then just you know between takes and all that they're just nice <laughs> so um uh, that's always makes a difference when you're working with actors that you're like oh I'm just looking forward to getting to kind of be around on set with them when they're just kind of good people you can get on with rather than um sometimes actors can be a bit scary or um, a bit more intimidating and etc. And that's not true for these these guys. I'm sure everyone is happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so imagine if I was like, plot twist, they're awful. Like they're so <laughs> mean. I just said, uh, just destroyed everyone's everyone's dreams about what they're like. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're lovely. 
So Alex and Henry are the classic enemies to lovers trope. What advice do you give actors for making that transition through intimacy? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because obviously I don't get to work on a lot of the enemy bit. <laughs> like when they're enemies, I'm not around. Like I don't see the like argument scenes. I'm not on set. I'm at home having my lunch. And then they're like, it's the first kiss, you're in. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably comes to in terms of my work, it's about understanding that there's probably going to be kind of conflict there. It's going to feel surprising. It's, there's all those um, types of character understandings will we'll go into maybe how we talk around what the first instances of intimacy are and how that might manifest. So that was definitely true of the first kiss um, at New Year's, uh, where obviously that it feels sort of full and and there's a sort of hunger to it. Um, but there's, it's conflicted and, and all those, that kind of energy, um, I, I will bring that conversation in, as, as did Matthew and, and the guys to that um, discussion. So I think that's the kind of how that legacy of that enemies um, might fuse into our work and then how that transitions into, into lovers, as well as just knowing where we start at with these characters and then where we find them later on, particularly um, towards the kind of later moments of intimacy and togetherness of like making sure there's a journey there and the intimacy is part of that journey. So you want to make sure you're, you're doing justice to that first um, enemy section, which obviously isn't as nice. We like the lovers section more. But the pacing to get there matters. So like you're saying, infusing yeah. conf conflict like definitely does help the journey. Yeah. They can't just be like amazing, perfect, happy lovers straight away. Then right. you have nothing, right? You have to like do the, the the scale the spectrum yeah keep it dramatic you know ah. <clears throat> but speaking of like the more intimate moments so as you may have imagined the the paris scene showed up a lot in our comments like, a lot <laughs> and people were just singing you phrases oh. for making that realistic and not gratuitous so when you were putting a scene like that together like what's your what's your process for that type of scene yeah, well, working on that scene um, was so special in terms of my um, the, the process as well. Um, there's lots of scenes that, like, as my queer male intimacy coordinator, I work on quite a lot of queer male content. And so um, I'll often come to, to queer sex scenes um, with a certain amount of, of general how do I approach this and, and thinking about the kind of tropes that we generally see and what feels like we see too much of and what I know queer audiences will roll their eyes at or get frustrated by or um, go, Ugh, I've, I'm just so bored of seeing this, even if there's some truth to it, but just I've just seen it too much and it doesn't feel representative or actually there's no truth to it. Um, in terms of the kind of feel of the scene, but then also importantly around the kind of realism of the, what I call as like sexual mechanics of the scene of like what realistically can happen and does happen for this type of sex act with people of these kinds of bodies in this point of their life. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff that I will think about and bring in and um, bring to the scene, bring to conversations first with the director, so Matthew. Um, but what was so special about Red, White and Real Blue is, is Matthew was so brilliant and collaborative as well. I mean, I've never had such a, a, a process of collaboration in a prep period before going into shooting. Like I, I was 
you know, I'd met Matthew for my interview and I'd got the job. And then I had like my first meeting going in to talk to him. And I didn't know how long I was going to be there for, but I'd sort of blocked off the afternoon. And we ended up having like a three hour session, just the two of us, like charting the moments of intimacy. I'm now going away from just Paris, but like all the moments of intimacy and thinking about what the story was for all these characters, for these two characters. And then what we wanted and what it had to feel like and what kind of the positions would be and all these things which we really like did a deep dive on and i'm a like theater boy originally and matthew's a, a theater boy <laughs> um and i think it's a bit of that like in theater you have more rehearsal time you can really get into it and there's a bit more of a sense of that collaboration i mean lots of film and tv people work in that way as well so that was so lovely and special in terms of the process for this and then over the week because we filmed the, the paris um scene um not right at the end but like in the kind of latter half of shooting so we also had time during shooting to have more conversations around it and update our thinking about it as we were learning more about the characters through shooting and knowing the practicalities of what the set was like and uh how much time we had (laughs) and all those things of what we wanted and i i blocked out some sort of um, storyboard-esque sketches and things to show Matthew to be like is this what you're imagining and this and these kind of positions might be what we want and uh just for it being feeling creatively right because we really wanted to get it right um and also for just like saving us time and energy on the day which makes the actors happier as well like you know filming any intimate scene is a very strenuous thing to have to do and so uh you're wanting to be as clear as possible going into that what's what so that it can be as smooth sailing as possible as you can get the most good stuff out of it. Um, and that was all able to happen. So it was a really lovely process for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that that you mentioned like that level of like pre-planning went into the scene. It definitely shows. And it's, it's interesting to me that that's not always the case because I feel like that would alleviate like things from the actors and like everybody, if we kind of have like a game plan going in, almost like, you know, so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, best best practice is you have good rehearsal. Yeah, and we had rehearsal for the for the scene and as well. And like, sure. you have that rehearsal, you have that prep. Everyone has those conversations. Like, every time that's better. There's there's never harm done by that. Like, it doesn't. Right. Some people don't want it to be too mapped out, and they want to be able to be quite free and find things on the day. And I'm all about that. But I still think having those prep conversations and rehearsal time, you don't need to block it all out in a rehearsal. Even you can just make sure everyone's clear and talk any issues through and what might happen and, and get a skeleton of it. And then on the day you can kind of get into it more. That's, that's my sort of preferred model and best practice generally. Um, but it's either not possible because of schedules and money and urgency and, and one bit's filming in Morocco and the other bit's filming in Norway. So you can't get the right people in the right place and all, all of that. But there's, um, uh, and, but sometimes people just don't want to do that because also they're like, look, I have to do this quite intense to have to simulate sex. So I'd rather not do it too much as well. So if we can do the kind of minimal version that comes up sometimes, but for this, there was a real sense of how absolutely central getting their romantic storyline. And part of that is their um, intimate life and, and sexual life together. Right. So like, if we're going to get it right, we can't just hope it goes well on the day. Like it is important. And yeah, I feel like it, I feel like it paid off. People seem pleased about it so um, oh just a little they're only a little just a little, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> all good were there any memorable moments for you from set oh my gosh yeah i mean <laughs> it's all i mean anyone who who works in 
and this stuff can tell you it's, it ends up all a bit of like a blur of like you go and you're just like there and it all happens and it's all so quick you're just moving like you're so focused on the like moment to moment that it all sort of becomes a bit of a, a, a whirlwind and then you finish and you're like what has happened I like blinked and I filmed for three months on this or whatever um memorable moments in particular um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> you look like you're just looking back on it so fondly. I know. I'm, so, I'm, I'm having flat. You can see if you zoom in to my pupil, you'll see all the things like that's so Raven style. Is that really <laughs> um, of like all the things going on? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember like little moments, I won't disclose when, but little moments of like, um, where you're trying to figure out the choreography and it says this is me admitting my faults of like not choreographing it perfectly so like uh, something someone trips or gets kind of tangled up or caught in each other and being like not in the kind of like oh that's fun playful good for the characters of being like the actors are tangled up and we haven't figured out where their limbs need to go and uh and that be me being me like either making an offer that doesn't work or is unclear or something um we definitely had some of that, like in the kind of fall over the back of the sofa before um, when they're in the hotel room before. Um, That's in the bloopers. It I made it into the blooper room. Was it? I haven't even seen that. So, well, I'll go find the bloopers. I'll do a react to the bloopers. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. So things like that of me being on monitor being like, <sighs> um, of knowing that I um, just, need to make sure that they know where their knees are going so that no one gets hurt um certainly things like that uh were memorable um and then also like a thing often happens and and these guys loved it of um as i think they've talked about in interviews we have as intimacy coordinators like um barriers so you use um, different kind of like external barriers which can be placed between actors to allow for there to be kind of thrusting action etc but that being going into barriers rather than body to body right we use them sometimes and so as I often do when I come to rehearsal is I kind of get out my bag of tricks and I go, here's all the things we can use and blah, blah, blah. And um, one of them is like a, a little Pilates ball. You sort of deflate a bit and then that can go between people. It's surrounded by material. Um, and uh, yeah, I, just, the, I think they were in, infused um, by that and sort of amused by it as people are. Uh, it was coined by Yara Dor, an intimacy coordinator I work with. She kind of invented it. And um, and uh, she called it the bouncer, um, which is quite funny as well. Uh, but then Nick in an interview, I think you can go find this interview talk. Did they change it? Or maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I someone like talked about it as a beach ball. And I was like, I don't know. It's not a beach ball. I don't bring a beach ball. It makes me seem deeply unprofessional. Um, the Pilates ball has a certain professionalism about it, I think. Um, so in case, yeah, he ever says that again, it's Pilates ball. I'm very professional. It's not a beach ball. I'm not sort of bringing lilos and, and all sorts. Just picturing this like bright, colorful. Me too. I know. Exactly. It's just about like getting that out in like rehearsal. You're trying to seem very serious with your actors, and you're like, "Let's play beach ball." Um, but no, it's like a very discreet little, small, uh, neutral-colored 
uh, Pilates ball that I cover in a skin tone material. It's all very um, professional uh, rather than a beach ball. All right. Well, I'd say it is a great segue into our next question. So in the film, like it's obviously like a romance centric movie, but it's also like it's a rom-com. So there's like comedy element. So when you have um, those two elements together where you have romance and comedy, how does that uh, impact like choreography sometimes in an intimate scene where you have both of those things? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really love working on comedy and I think it's so important. There's a real vibe that intimacy coordinators are sort of like party poopers and a sort of buzzkill on set. And like the way there to be like, no one have fun. This is really serious. And like everyone stay away from each other. And that's just so no, not what it's about, right? Like it's about like making the scenes work and good and making sure people are yeah being supported and, and cared for through that process. Um, but like ultimately that they're in a place to be able to do their best work. And sometimes that is by making sure that the space has a certain level of lightness that they can feel like they can be fun and playful, particularly when the scene needs a bit of that comedy, right? It feels so um, counterproductive to me to come into like a comedy scene and to to come with an energy of like, this is super serious. So I think I'm quite good at, at managing that balance. And I've worked on like a show, Big Boys, here in the UK with season two is coming out soon, um, which is also like a comedy and like queer based and and that that was quite an early job I did and that um for season one and that was very um like really being able to be like we're gonna be sense like serious and professional and careful about this but also enjoy the fun the silliness of the scene that was true in in smaller ways I think for this as well like yeah there's there's like funny lines being thrown in during moments of of passion and um you know, like the red room scene where they're kissing super passionate and then they break away and they're sort of going, hmm, I'm looking at a bookcase and all that kind of <laughs> thing. You know, like you need, you have to be aware of what you want out of the like intimacy to feel so passionate so that that moment can break away and feel like earned and funny. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just having an eye for it and like uh, responding well with Matthew and Matthew and understanding what Matthew's trying to get out of the scene overall and how it's situated, like how the moment of intimacy situates in the scene and then how that scene situates in the movie um, and not, uh, and yeah, just making sure that it, it fits in basically. Yeah. But it's so fun to get to have a bit of a, bit of the calm as well as the ROM. I love that scene too. So like, yes, I absolutely love everything you just said. <laughs> uh, so besides the comedy, are there any specific scenes or moments in the movie that presented unique challenges? Yeah, I mean, so we've, I think with the, um, and we haven't talked about it yet, the scene, uh, polo scene, where they sneak off and it's all intercut. Um, like that, I did, it wasn't a challenge in terms of like the energy of it. Like I knew that the energy had to feel kind of like really excited and like fiery and full and like a release and all that kind of stuff. But uh, like, maybe some challenges around exactly what we want, how we wanted to end that. You, we like, you know, what we see in the end of that moment of, cause it, it, we wanted to have a sense of like, it was moving towards like something sexual or like more intimate than what we're going to see. But we also don't want that. Don't feel we need to see loads of it um, in that moment. But you also don't want to make it like really feel like dot, dot, dot. So like, there's a bit of like a balance to be made, but uh, obviously the thing is, is that editors are amazing. <laughs> so editors, like, you know, we, we shoot a lot of, obviously there's so much stuff that we shoot that we don't use. 
but then they edit it, like how they edited it and cut it together with the polo and like zooming in on buttocks, bouncing in saddles and all those kind of things is like wildly more intimate than anything we could have achieved in that scene. <laughs> it's like so good and um, it's just brilliant. And that's, I can't take any credit for that, obviously. That's um, Matthew and editing team. Um, so things like that, yeah, were, were easy problem solves of that kind of, um, that kind of stuff. Um, challenges. That, that's the main thing. That, I mean, like, you know, there's lots of things with Paris that felt like, not a challenge, but that I, I really like, I think I felt a bit of pressure for the, for the Paris scene of like, this is the scene I always kind of wanted to have been able to watch as a young queer person. And like, uh, I don't think we can get good, like properly romantic scenes between two men and like, having sex because it's about like love and connection. Um, I, I really... There's more stuff now, but I still don't quite know anything else that does it quite the same as Red, White, and Royal Blue. So knowing that we were coming into that, that um, felt like a bit of a, uh, uh, maybe more of just a pressure than a challenge. It was a challenge, I guess, of of making sure that was true. But also, you know, we're not making, it's not like activism necessarily, like it's, it's creative content. It has to be true to the story and the characters first and foremost but also just aware of that thing in my head of like, but also this this has meaning out in the world for people who watch it, right? And this this situates in a in a in a, a vast emptiness for what queer people are used to watching. Um, so yeah, balancing like wanting to do right for that and for queer viewers and and for my like little teenage queer version of myself, whilst also making sure we absolutely prioritize the like story and the characters and what's right for these people. Um, and bring that to life and doing justice to the fans of the book and all that, all of those things um, felt like there was a lot on top of that moment, which is ultimately like screen time wise, not a long moment. Right. And so um, that was definitely a pressure, but, but never one that felt like super challenging. It was always such a, a privilege and a pleasure to get to grapple with that and think about it. Yeah, that, that definitely is unique with queer media, I would say, in, in a lot of ways, like you're saying, where you're like, I wish I had this when I was a kid, like heals your inner child a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely say that like it, that unique opportunity definitely was executed so well because we are still getting comments on the last time we talked to you, which we couldn't even talk specifically about the film, but a lot of the comments were specifically about the film and how real it felt to people. And it did have a lasting impact. So I'm just, we're curious, like, you know, um, how does it feel to be part of like creating something like that, that still has such a lasting impression on people? Yeah, I mean, even you talking about it there, I think maybe because of the strikes, I obviously wasn't so able to like engage in it. There wasn't that much, dis- as much discussion about it as there could be. So I just kind of get little like snapshots of things and some very kind messages would people would come to me with that I'd be like, oof. But yeah, even hearing you talk about it now, it, it is so, um, yeah, it's so special. I'm so honored to have been a part of something that spoke to people and, um, you know, emotionally affected people and that people could either feel like a kind of um, desire for or a uh, reflection or feeling seen in any capacity. That's like your dream as like an artist at all in any capacity um, to evoke that kind of reaction. And as I think we've talked a bit about last time, like as an intimacy coordinator, it's, create, it's a creative role, a movement role. But first and foremost, it's like, you know, there's the kind of safety and, and making sure well-being side of things. So I don't always get to do a lot of the creative stuff. With this, it felt like I was it because Matthew was so brilliant. And the actors were so brilliant. I was able to have more kind of creative input. Um, and so that on top of it also being received so well is just so um, special for me. It's, 
I'm so like I'd be touched and, and, and sort of moved by it no matter what. And then the, the cherry on the cake of it all is yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing that I've sort of spent 15 years going, I wish that scene existed. I mean, so frustrated that it didn't exist and like watching Brokeback Mountain and being like, okay, sure. But like, why is this all I'm getting over and over again? Um, uh, in terms of what I'm seeing on screen. Uh, yeah. So, and I, and I think I kind of hoped that people would be like, oh, great. And pleased about that being a new thing. But I feel like, yeah, there's a bit of a buzz to it that, um, that I didn't expect it to uh, speak to people as much or in such, such deep ways as some people seem to be responding. It's just amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, I'm so, so thrilled and so happy to hear that. Um, I think it just shows how important it is and to, to make better representations of these things. And, and I think people get a bit frustrated by the idea that we have to, you know, think about it in those kind of activism terms or like, whatever, but you, you can't avoid it. Like we are just so starved for good intimate storytelling that it is going to mean more to queer. Like you just can't, sure. You might want to just do a queer scene and it like not be a big deal, but like you can't avoid the fact of it's going to mean something to people or, or people are going to view it with that eye, that eye of like, I, I'm weird existing in a bit more of a void or have grown up in more of a void for that really good storytelling, intimate storytelling. So um, yeah, I'm just rambling now. Yeah, very, very happy and pleased. <laughs> Ramble away. Yeah, that is quite literally why we started this podcast. And listeners, please leave Robbie more uh, love in the comments. Oh, I won't go steal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I went through our comments on the last interview, and we had some questions. So it. we're going to butcher all of these usernames, but I we'll try. Love so. It. There's two different ways I've decided to pronounce this. It's either Johnny Rich 9601 or John N. Eric, or yeah, that's the only way I could pronounce that, 9601. But they wanted to know if you helped with the non-intimate moments at all, like when the characters look at each other and have to convey emotions. That's a very good question. So in terms of intimacy practice, big picture, we like can be involved in those moments. We sort of talk about like, you absolutely have to have an intimacy coordinator if there's like simulated sex or nudity or like more involved, like passionate kissing. In the me medium, like recommended, but we won't put our foot down is like kissing, more mid-level kissing or like a light kiss. Um, and then very light kiss, bits of touch, like eye contact, um, connection, chemistry. That is like, we'll absolutely have things that we can supply and that we can help. And you, there might be someone who needs us, but um it's sort of a bit more TBC. So how it manifested for this was, I mentioned we had a rehearsal. We had we had a first rehearsal really early before, well, not really, really early, but like before shooting, which was time I had with the actors where we did some sort of basics of kind of um, connection and intimacy and touch and exploration of, of like breath and um, how to like have that connection and share that with each other and giving it the professional structure so that they could go to those personal places and know that they had um, a professional structure to it. Um, and then I was always available if anyone needed. But then at that point, they were pretty solid and clear in it. Matthew was brilliant working with them and very sensitive on that and felt very comfortable working on that. So it didn't feel necessary for me to be there 
for for the kind of moments of like chemistry or look or like closeness and things like that. And I think it's important to not, um, I mean, it's important to not just be around lurking around when I'm not needed. Like I could have been there. Sure, I could have given some notes or thoughts or, or, or whatever it is. But um, A, you don't want people getting bothered by you turning, sitting around all the time, not, not um, being very active because then it starts to be like, oh, well, then why are you here? Or like it can sort of affect how you're there on set generally, which then might affect how I manage to be on, on other days. Um, but also it's sort of, I don't know, I worry it can get a bit like patronizing or handholding you when they're totally fine. They don't need, like, I don't need them to make a big deal. Like it feeling like a really, oh, like it will be a nerve wracking moment when it doesn't need to be a nerve wracking moment. I'd be like, team, you've got this. You know what you're doing. You're good. We've done our rehearsal stuff. Matthew's amazing. You're great with each other. Go to town, right? You'll, you'll be fine. So that was how it kind of ended up with this. Yeah, if I was nervous that Matthew was a, a nightmare or that they weren't able to kind of bring it to life, then I might have been more like, mm, you probably should have me. But um, that wasn't true. They, they so knew the characters in the story, they knew what they were doing, and, and uh, it was run by good, good captain in, in Matthew. So yeah, I wasn't around for some of the moments of chemistry and connection and things like that. Second question from our comment section from at Michael Day 4598. This huh. user asks, do they have awards for intimacy coordinators? If not, the first should go to you. Ah, I can't believe I won an award from Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's so nice. There's no awards. Yeah, if you'd like to start the like campaign to BAFTA um, or the Oscars or whoever it is to uh, start doing intimacy coordination, you can. I know that the stunt community have been like, why is there no stunt award? Which is sort of wild that there's no stunt award considering they literally put their lives on the line sometimes, right? Um, I think considering we've only managed to get intimacy coordination like taken seriously at all in the last couple of years we're probably away off our awards but um someone talked about this recently which really made me laugh of um mtv used to do maybe they still do, do like kit like best kiss award oh yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. Where they'd like, you know, they'd just look at all the kisses that happened and be like, this was the best kiss in terms of just like most swoony or whatever um and then I think they ask the actors and then redo it on stage, which makes me more like, okay, maybe not. Um, uh, so maybe I've just got to write to MTV and be like, bring back Best Kiss and, and give it to me. Um, no, yeah, no, no awards, but I'll keep, keep my eye out and uh, certainly excited for my nomination, yeah. <laughs> Get this man an award. <laughs> <laughs> I won't rest until I've got a trophy. That's the only <laughs> thing that will sate me. Yeah. Uh, you win all awards in our eyes. Oh, sure. That's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. I don't. I don't need an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. So last one from YouTube. I I have no idea how to say this. Linnao Shikut three nine five nine asks. Do female actors ever like kind of resent direction from you because you may not know what it's like to be, I mean, you, you're not a female, so you don't know what it's like to be them. Yeah. It's a really interesting question, right? My, the main kind of like, I don't know if resentment's the right word, but the main kind of slightly bad energy I can get sometimes is working with say older or more experienced 
female actors who I'll turn up as a male intimacy coordinator and be like, okay, I'm here to like help and work with you on content. And maybe actually regardless of, of my gender, there can be a sense of like, where have you been? Like, you know, I've had to make do my whole career and you're turning up now to be like, oh, okay, let me talk you through and help you in the scene. Like, and, and so there's a bit of like a, a resentment from that of, of like, how thick a skin people have had to get and how much armor they've had to don about this kind of um, content. So then by the time you turn up, they're a bit like, ah, oh, I've already figured out my ways of doing this. So like, why are you here? Like, who are you to tell me what to do? And then particularly as a man, they're like, I don't need some man to come and like, tell me this stuff. Um, so that's, that's there's been little, little energies of, of that in my career generally. Um, but generally people in my experience think that me being a, a male intimacy coordinator is going to be much more kind of contentious or strange than it ends up being it's it's always come from um in my experience it's i think I, can't, I mean i can't think of anything where it's come from producers being nervous or worried that this should have a female ic or or whatever it is um and then i and so i'll come into thing you know i i well i would trained to be an intimacy coordinator I emailed being like am I allowed to apply because I'm a man like is the, and they were like yes of course apply and uh so I came into it really like nervous about making sure that I wasn't um kind of entering a space that really shouldn't be for me but uh I've worked with plenty of um female actors and you know they I've never had anyone um seem bothered because you, you're you're and maybe it's I mean, they don't all know that I'm queer, but there's, that might be a sense of it, that I, I'm certainly not a, like, very uber-masculine energy, so that, um, I'm sure, comes into it as well. Um, but, you know, you're there, and you're there profession. You're trying to be professional and clear with them, and sometimes I adapt my practice a little bit, depending on who I'm working with, so it might be about making sure there's a female member of the costume team able to help with things with modesty garments instead of me or someone nearby, whatever it is. There might be ways that you sort of adapt your practice, but... Um, yeah, certainly if I ever got an energy from a, a female actor or a non-binary actor or, or anyone who's not males, giving that sense of um, I, you're not the person that I want to be working with right now, then if if that if I'm going to make them more uncomfortable being there, then of course I'd find a colleague to come in. I have brilliant female non-binary colleagues who could come in to to work with them instead. But um, that's I've worked now for uh, many years and I've never had that or rather even explicitly if a scene if it's quite male dominated set and the scene's quite intense for a female a female actor i've sometimes been like look i have female colleagues that i could bring in instead if that would make you more comfortable and they've been like no because usually at that point you've built up a bit of a relationship so they're like i don't want some random like i know that you're good um <laughs> if i may say it myself um <laughs> so uh yeah um i think that answers the question yeah it's um it definitely does. No, there, definitely. There, there totally are actors who are out there saying, I, I want to work with a, a female intimacy coordinator. And of course they should be able to do that. I'm not, I'm not coming in saying everyone has to work with me. I have to say, this is the second time we've gotten to talk to you and you just bring such a comfortable, calming presence <laughs> that, Very kind. yeah, I'm sure that it's amazing working with you. Oh, thank you. That's very, very kind i hope so i mean that's a lot of what we aim to kind of put people at ease um yeah yeah that's what we want all right so we uh 
we're going to ask you a series of questions from our Patreon members. And oh. by members, we mean Mary. So shout out to Mary, who left <laughs> us like a ton of comments. when Like over 30. Like, over thank 30. you, Mary. <laughs> we're, like, we're interviewing Robbie. Here's 30 questions. Oh, Go. Hi, Mary. So first question for Mary. Um, you weren't there when they shot the scene at the lake. Um, how did that go without you there is their question. Yeah, fine. Like, I remember, I think I checked in about it afterwards because that was one that I was like, exactly like how close are they getting on the uh, like pontoon thing? Yeah. Um, like obviously I was clear, I'm always clear and know what they're going to be wearing. So I know um, what type of like trunks they're going to be in. Uh, sorry, I know there's very like American Englishisms about like swimwear um, they're going to be wearing and all those sorts of things to make sure that there's no risks of things feeling more nude and exposing, particularly when wet. So I had all those chats, so that was clear. So there wasn't going to be surprises there, and would been clear of what level of um, kind of intimacy was on the cards. And again, it's usually like, what's the kind of max? world that we're going to be in for what we're going to expect between these characters and I get that very clear with Matthew director and then make sure the boys know about it and then I'm like look this you're going to be this level of clothing this is what the maximum is going to be asked we're in the, that was quite late in the process so we were like look you know how are you feeling about it and they're like we're good and again I'm always a phone call away and then and then everyone was fine like like I say really so quickly like in rehearsal, they were already just so, they get on so well. They're just like good pals. And then, um, and also so respectful and clear and, and about it that, you know, <laughs> I, I was definitely needed. I'm also not writing myself out of a job. But in terms of the like uh, holding space and care, they they were so already careful with each other. And the set was generally really careful and and caring and supportive. And Matthew was sensitive with them. And the AD team was was great at working with them. Costume was really lovely with it so you know it meant that there was all those things in place that meant that I was like I know it's going to be great and they're going to be fine and because all those things were there it was fine um whereas other jobs I work on it's a bit more like things aren't great on set so a moment like a scene like that I'd be more like I'm going to be there because it'd be more likely that things would go a bit rogue or someone would say something or whatever whereas I was just very confident that wasn't going to happen um and I didn't and everyone had a good time that's awesome Love, comfortable, great environments. Yeah. Go on, Mary. <laughs> All right. So Mary gets a little more specific in this one. Okay. <laughs> so the touching of the toes, is that from you or the director or the guys doing it naturally? It really added realism and intimacy. I love that. Um, oh my gosh, I wish I could like transport my brain back and know exactly where all these moments came from. I don't think I'm going to give you a good answer Mary, um, I imagine my, my slightly um, cop-out answer is it will always be a bit of a mix. It definitely wasn't me being like, let's do toe-touch-toe moment. Here we go, action. Um, we would have talked about where touch could be because some people really don't like their feet being touched or anything, right? So we would have talked about that. That would have been clear. So we knew that was on the cards. It's like we could use. And then I imagine it would have been a thing that we were filming. And then that was sort of like you know, by the nature of body positions, feet were kind of close. And then we go like, oh, that's a good moment we should catch as well. You know, we have like a structure and a plan. And then you, of course, discover things when you're there. So maybe that came out of it that way. I don't remember it being Matthew or the actors or me being like, let's definitely get that. I think it was like, let's fight. We knew we wanted lots of little moments of cutaways of bits of touch, right? So I think we knew that was probably on the cards as an option. And then seeing it, it like worked and then we had it. Um, 
but uh yeah but the guys were always discovering like great things it certainly wasn't me just being like do this and i sold everything like so much of it came from them so i wouldn't be surprised if they were kind of discovering that as well sorry my memory's not good enough mary no that's perfectly fine and then the next question is very similar to that so if it's the same answer just let us know so <clears throat> she also wants to know like uh in paris night and then on the raft i remember this one pretty distinctly there's like a kiss on the shoulder kind of thing mm -hmm. so again is that directed versus like more go with it kind of thing like you're saying i think that was more go with it. I, I i hate to lie though that definitely wasn't me i don't i i never was like look picture this kiss on the shoulder every time um uh i i couldn't tell you if that was matthew or the guys they might have had a conversation so i wouldn't like to decide for them um but when you have that scope and that comfortable you, you've made you've done the foundations and the work as we were able to do it means that you can find those little things and it can feel organic and um creative and, and characterful and them knowing that that's okay and in a space where they can find those discoveries. So um, it's probably just coming from their brilliant work. Okay, so I think you talked about this one a little bit, but did Taylor and Nicholas always seem comfortable together or did they have to work on it? Um, they hated each other. <laughs> they are uh, comfortable with each other. I, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't, I wasn't there when they had chemistry reading. I didn't, I wasn't there when they first met in rehearsals, all those things. Um, so I don't know. Like a lot of that stuff will have happened and just getting to know each other outside of intimacy rehearsals. <laughs> Dog. Um, but, uh, in t I mean, I really, I'm, there wasn't really things where I, f I was, felt like they weren't comfortable together you know there's the understandable normal sense of like performing simulated sex or anything or intimacy is just a big ask for anyone and so doing that you have you need to make sure you're looking after people supporting people and there's can be certain levels of like fatigue that come through a day of filming no matter what particularly when it's more kind of physically exertive whether that is riding a horse or doing a stunt or having to kiss or simulate sex or whatever it is um so yeah, I mean, there's certainly, it's not like every moment was like happy clappy, everyone's having the best time of their lives. Like they're still working, still trying to do it, it can still be long and, and frustrating and when shots aren't quite working and having to get angles right, et cetera. So that was, that was definitely at moments as it is with anything and any moments of filming. But um, I don't remember, I really, I mean, I know it would be more juicy and exciting if I could be like, there was this one day they really didn't get along, but there's like, to my knowledge, they, they were really good pals. And um, there wasn't, I mean, so, I mean, as you have to get, even when they're good pals, you have to build levels of comfort together, no matter what. And actually sometimes even because they become good pals, it becomes a bit weird then having to be intimate in a way that when you're like, don't know someone at all, you're like, this is weird, but in a different way of like, we're just working. We have to make it work. Whereas, then you're sort of mates hanging out and then you have to um, transition into that sort of intimacy space. So that we made sure we had a clear structure for of how to edge into, flip into that quality together and then feel comfortable and supported. Um, yeah, which is with various little things we do to kind of let them leave behind having a laugh on lunch break and come into a space of, of getting into character and connecting intimately. There's something that I'll, I'd give them for that, but that's not really discomfort. It's just part of that switch flicking that switch and shift 
Thank no, you. That that makes a lot of sense. I can see that being a double-edged sword if you're actually friends with them in real life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Well, then just go get pizza after work and be like, yeah, so that happened. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> if you have a, like a scene with one person, you never see them again. You can be like, right, all right, never see that person again, whatever. Um, but then, yeah, sort of hanging out again for another like two months of filming and, right. and beyond. Yeah. All right. Uh, another question from Mary. So last one. Yeah, the last one. All right. So this has to do with like people watching the movie and then making a drinking game out of it. So are you aware that there is a drinking game people play when Alex smiles at Henry Henry shoves Alex? Every time Henry shoves Alex, people drink. (laughs) drink. It's like such a long list. And I think there's a couple different ones, but I'm like, how are you drinking? This is like basically every time they breathe, take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Is it what counts as a shove? Is it like, oh, like little things? It's not like just the big kind of. I think so. I think it's the big enemy shoves and then the playful shoves. Right. A lot of shoving. I can imagine people that being a dangerous game to play. Yeah. Right. Funny. No, I didn't know, but I'll play. I'll, uh, why don't I do like a sort of uh, charity event where I, I, I do it and I'll get everyone to drink along with me and um, we'll raise money for better queer representation in screen. <laughs> we'll raise money for the, the award ceremony. Yeah, no, the awards for yeah. your award. Yeah, Much no, that makes sense. Selfish, you yeah. know, intimacy coordinators and stuff, people should team up and just right. have like an underrated, is that, that's the right word, right? Yeah, underrated awards. Yeah. The Unsung Hero Award. I love it. Unsung, yeah, that one. That's right. a better title. I, w- I mean, look, I love intimacy coordinators. I, I very rarely turn up at work doing something so dangerous that I might die. So I think stunts probably <laughs> um, deserve that a little bit more in terms of getting the like unsung hero credit. But hey, um, you know, good for them. But you you established the comfortability. <laughs> that yes. was a word. Um, yeah. With the actors. And that is also very important. That's true. Thank you so much. You're right. Uh, we win. This is a rival. <laughs> okay. So in a film with a diverse cast and characters, how do you approach intimacy coordination to ensure like cultural sensitivity and inclusivity? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. Um, is this specific to this film or is it like general approach? Uh, general. That's fine. general. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me as an intimacy coordinator, it comes from looking at like the makeup of who's making a project, right? And how I'm going to be a part of that picture, right? As an intimacy coordinator, I'm one tiny piece of a very big puzzle of people. And like I said, I don't necessarily always have a lot of like power and say, particularly over how something creatively is manifesting. So if I'm asked onto a project where it's like cultural experiences different to my own, um, I will look at, okay, who's involved in making this? Am I adding to an already uh, like discrepancy of people who should be making this project? And that's been true of two projects I've worked on, which have been like predominantly like black um, stories that I've been asked to come on to. But both of them were predominantly black um, content, like the, the writers and directors and, and uh uh, a lot of the people involved with global majority and producers, etc. So um, in those instances, you kind of look at the team and you go and you make sure that they're clear and they and you know, they know what's going on and um, 
and make sure that, that the actors are then okay. Or, and again, as always, like we're talking about gender, going, is there someone else that you'd like to be there, etc.? And all of that kind of comes into the mix of just figuring out how you position in that space. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, cultural consideration, just basically making sure you have your eye on making sure like with anything, like with queer content, cultural considerations, things to do with ethnicity, ability, age, like all protected characteristics or minority um, statuses, you want to go, what's happening here that might be skewed because of um, the stereotype or expectation around this or lack of knowledge or lack of appreciation? Um, so that will be how I'd, I'd come into those rooms slightly differently. And I've worked with consultants sometimes. So I've worked on one of those. There was actually a consultant already attached to the project about the specific community. So I just made sure I had like really good conversations with them about, because obviously a lot of the work they were doing is like, talk about the community and the culture generally. Then I was like, look, we have a talk about intimacy and sex in this community and like anything I should be aware that I'm bringing in here. And then you just make sure you're like teaming up and doing all the things you need to do so you can actually do your job with it and support people as they need worked on a job which had sort of like potential like kink BDSM elements and again made sure I like talked I've done some kink BDSM like uh, consultancy stuff before but did a sort of session on kink with a kink consultant to talk about it and make sure that I knew um, kind of again creatively about like representations of kink and BDSM as well as practical considerations of how to make that work so it's anything like that that you need to know what you're working with. And if I, ever, if I ever didn't feel equipped to deal with it or that there weren't people attached to the project or in the space with me who could deal with it, then I'd have to either make sure, bring those people in or go, you know, actually, this isn't for me. You should find someone who can and here's some people who maybe you should reach out to, etc. Um, but I also hope as we go on, we'll get more intimacy coordinators who speak to a bigger community that it, it feels more able to go. You know what? my colleague's better for this just to have my colleague um but that hasn't been true so much yet as we're still quite a small pool but it's growing so now we're in a better place that there's more representation in the uk I think yeah i was gonna say you've mentioned that this is like basically like it's a, you know relatively new and it's it, it's an evolving kind of space like or specialty so that that is interesting yeah. that there's so many facets where like you could have specialty within the specialty that's really interesting totally yeah and there's you know in the u.s um, there's intimacy coordinators of color is an organization who you know particularly specialize in that work and there are definitely intimacy coordinators who come more from the like bdsm kink space mm -hmm. and some people who come from like sex work space and so there's people who are like more um specialized and ready to work on certain content and then it's sort of up to different people how much like when i came to it working at the only thing i can speak to um is in terms of queer intimacy and queer male intimacy earlier on i think i was a bit more like if it's queer male content, like I want to be the person there because it's like my lived experience and I know it and I can work on it. But as I've gone on, I'm like, I obviously just can't do all of the queer male projects um, as much as I'd love to. And particularly if you're working on a project over like a TV show over 10 episodes, you're going to work on like tons of different projects. And it's helpful to have a consistent intimacy coordinator who might bring in colleagues, but often people then don't want that and it gets complicated. So you're going to have to work on all sorts of content. So for me, it's about like upskilling and equipping our community with the resources and support they need. So I've done like workshops within the intimacy community about choreographing queer male intimate content, right? So I work, I've gone and talked to training organizations and, and our union at Beck to our intimacy coordinators there 
to go, here's some things, here's stereotypes you should be worried about. Here's some questions to ask. Going to burst your bubble a bit. Here's some things that's really annoying that we see, unrealistic, blah, blah, blah. So I think that should be happening that we all as a team, like strengthen up so that we're going to be able to support people properly in those moments. Yeah, no, I love that. Because it's just more support, the more people who are equipped to help. Yeah, as always, yeah, like stronger together and all that, like... Like one one intimacy coordinator will never be able to be like the font of all wisdom and like know how to deal with everything. Um, so it's about knowing where you're like, hmm, I need a bit of extra support spaces are and where you're like, this is definitely not for me. Spaces are and just operating with authenticity and integrity within that. So you brought up earlier before we started this interview that you have worked on Mary and George. Yeah. <laughs> with Nick. So... Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Um, obviously, I can talk less about that because it's not come out yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so funny that year, I mean, not like January to January, but however, whenever Red, White, Roll, Blue and then into Mary and George, I just worked with Nick for like most of my year <laughs> that year, um, which I think I worked with one other actor on two different projects, but generally, obviously, you're working with all sorts. So uh, it's very nice to get to have that kind of long running relationship with someone and you get develop a bit more of a shorthand and they know all the garments you're bringing. They know how you work. You can do less of the like easing them in and more like, you know me, you trust me, you know what I'm talking about. Here we go. And and I can just get to it. And ditto, he could just be more clear with me about what he needs and what he wants and, and doesn't have to kind of, doesn't have to do so much of a dance around it because we're just like, look, we know how each other work and there's already a trust there. So that was... Absolutely, that was such a blessing and, and so lovely to get to have that um, with someone. Um, and as people will see, and people probably already seen from the trailer, which I believe you've done a little react to, um, that it's a very different energy. So uh, please, Red, White, Rule, Blue fans, don't come into that expecting your same old uh, lovely Prince Henry, um, because it is certainly, yeah, a different energy. Um Red, white, and royal blue was a good warm up for Nick and working with <laughs> yes. American Joy. It was good. It was that way round. Like that we that, that he made these projects. Let's just say that. Um, uh, so yeah. So um, yeah, I'd be so curious what people, particularly the red, white, and royal blue fans, um, think of it. Uh, it's it was a really fun project for kind of yeah queer intimacy again and. Uh, with Red, White, Roll, Blue, obviously I entirely worked with just two of them, uh, whereas uh, Mary and George worked with Nick a lot, but also loads of other characters, so much intimacy from so many different angles, uh, queer and not queer, and uh, all sorts of, of things. Well, we'll see what, what makes it in. But um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing it. It was such a, we were filming for like six months and it was uh, like a lot of, of big stuff going on in that and by nature of tv instead of film it's like often kind of quicker and you're like jumping around different episodes and who's what and where you are and like and it spans a very long time and different countries and all this so it felt kind of more epic in a way that was like whoa and i feel like i less know how it's going to kind of end up um with red white and blue is lovely and kind of more contained and, and you kind of know you can chart these two guys story a bit more easily um so yeah really looking forward to seeing it no idea <laughs> what it's gonna be like. but uh yeah certainly you're in for a um a fun experience watching um yeah can't wait for people's reactions we'll see if my award gets snatched away um afterwards uh, never 
prize fishing for that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. No, we're excited to see that show. It looks it looks awesome in the like, what a great cast. Oh, so I, I'm more absolute icon. Heck yeah. Can't believe. Yeah. That was that was amazing. She's so brilliant. And uh Neve Algar, amazing. Um, who's opposite Julianne a lot. Um, Tony's great. Yeah, yeah. And like there's yeah, loads of brilliant actors who I got to work with. Um which was such a, a delight. And I mean, it's based on a true story. Do you know this? Like there's Mary yeah. Villiers and George Villiers real, like, you know, which is just so wild. And it's so fun to get to do historical queer stuff of being like, look at all this yes. queer stuff going on history. You think it's a um, invention from the last 10 years. Um, queer people have been doing weird shit for hundreds of years. Um, uh, so uh, I can't, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Like, so, if you guys weren't aware of the show, like, Go watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Oof, yeah. All right. So that concludes our regular questions. So we're going to transition into a rapid fire little game we like to kind of conclude the show with. So this is, I think, okay. new from last time we talked to you. Okay. So we're calling this game the, this is the would you rather game. So very rapid fire. Would you rather? Oh my gosh, stress. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. Would you rather coordinate an elaborate and romantic kissing scene in the pouring rain or mm. a playful and lighthearted scene involving a pillow fight? Uh, right. My heart says rain. That, I just, I love the gushy romance of that. Uh, I've never done a scene in the rain. I'm always looking for something to tick off my intimacy card that I've not done before. Yes. So I say rain. Awesome. Would you rather design an intimate scene that involves a playful food fight or a serene and romantic boat ride under the stars? Um, I love food and I'm such a food person. So uh, although, so I want to say food, but then food fight was getting thrown around and not eaten and I don't get to eat it would be hard for me. So um, actually I'm going to pivot away from just hearing the word food made me excited for that. But thinking about it, I think, no, I want, I want boat. That sounds also like nice, to, although that will be a night shoot and I'll be tired. So that is, <laughs> that is hard to, avoid. but yeah, I, I'll go boat ride. Okay. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Third I just question. love like all the considerations you just I made know. in that question. Make some quick choices. There's a lot going on. Gotta think it through. Okay. Would you rather work on a romantic scene that involves a series of hilariously mismatched royal wardrobe malfunctions? <laughs> oh my God. Or a scene with the characters trying to be discreet in a crowded royal photo booth. A crowded royal photo booth. I don't know how that would work, but you know that was the question. Um, I think I the like costume thing sounds really fun. I'm I like the idea of that. It feels much more like playful and silly and like you'd get to have lots of silliness whereas like discreet stuff is fun in a different way but you're having to be more kind of subtle and contained. So maybe the the big fun, silly costume stuff. Okay. Now I, I have a really, really random one. Love it. If given the choice, would you rather have a pocket-sized dragon as a loyal companion? I'm sorry, I'm trying to get through this. But it insists on telling cheesy jokes. Uh -huh. Or... A talking cat that gives sarcastic advice but can predict the future. <laughs> ha the dragon makes little jokes. Mm -hmm. How cheesy good jokes. are they? Cheesy jokes. Are they like good cheesy jokes or like eye roll terrible? I mean, I don't know. It didn't clarify. 
Uh, let's say they're amusing. Yeah, and amusing. not annoying. Amusing cheesy jokes. I'm such a cat man, so my heart says cat. But um, but I don't appreciate too much sarcasm. Uh, I think I think the sarcasm I'd feel I'd end up feeling too um to like this cat is sassing me in like Sabrina style what's he called that cat Salem um, Salem yeah. I think I'd be a bit like can you please give me a break like Salem um so I guess and I already we have lovely cat Ursula so I guess also for her to be happy I'll go dragon and I'd hope that the jokes veer on cheesy funny rather than cheesy like oh, come on I would also pick the dragon just because like you can whip what a what a thing to if you don't have like a conversation starter to whip up a little dragon. Pocket yeah. size dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Tell a joke. I love that. All right. Would you rather be able to talk to your past self and give advice or talk to your future self and ask questions about what is to come? Oh. Um I don't, I don't think a future, I don't like, I like not knowing, like, and my life is very sort of like, I never really know what's going on. And I've sort of come to terms with that and, and I'm okay with it. So I think, I think not future. Also, I'm not particularly excited about, like, my past self did all right, figured his things out. I guess maybe go back and be like, past self, look, like, here's some things you don't need to worry about. Like, this is going to work out. Um, it'll be fine. Like, little reassurances I'd like to give. I wouldn't want to give spoilers, but I'd give some, some reassurance uh, to maybe save me some and some like I'll just veer you back on track away from that um uh, moments maybe so I could have sped up some some things but even then they were good learning curves so um tentative past but neither gosh I'm so wise and profound I was thinking about this as your answer I'm like technically this is the same option just in <laughs> yeah, a different point in your life. it just depends who you're talking you have, about you don't you don't get a choice yeah. all right so last question would you rather have to get the sex talk from President Claremont or King James? Um, easily Claremont. Oh my goodness, <laughs> easily Claremont. I mean, that scene with Alex, um, where he comes out, is just like just, just makes my heart explode. Right, so like it's so beautiful and. Um, so I'd have any conversation I could have with her in any kind of that capacity. Amazing. King James, chaotic nightmare. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, not nightmare, you know, cha- true chaos, as you'll see. So um, I'm going to definitely go, um, yeah, for the former. Just wish we got to see the PowerPoint. I know. She had a PowerPoint and everything. She's ready. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for answering all of our questions, both good and ridiculous. We really appreciate you (laughs) (laughs) and spending time with us. Uh, Before we wrap things up and sign off, do you have any final words for the the people listening at home? No, just honestly. Yeah. Thank you so much. There's been little like comments uh, I've seen that I haven't responded to or or anything. And just thank you. It's all um, very appreciated. I'm so happy that people have engaged in it. Um, and yeah, um, big love to all the, all the fans. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you once again for talking to us today. We always appreciate getting to spend time with you to everybody listening at home. If you haven't checked out red, white, and royal blue, please go do that. Also, Mary and George, go check that out when that starts streaming on Hulu, I think pretty soon. Uh, and until next time, hydrate for lesbia Jesus. And gay it up all over the place. Bye. 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 Bye.
And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.